10 p.m. till midnight. Legal Conversations. It's uh, 20 minutes uh, to 11. At 11 o'clock, uh, Mudupi Mahalimela comes in with the final news bulletin and straight after that, Closet Conversations. But because the Monday, it's Clairvoyant Media Mondays and we'll be joined by our spiritual master coach who'll be giving you the opportunity for a reading, Ida Kutsia. Right now, A-teamers, we are speaking legal conversations with the Ombudsman for Banking Services. He's the manager and uh, communications person there, Gwanda Vabaza. Gwanda? Once again, a warm welcome. Uh, thank you for having us, uh, Patricia, and thank you for the invite. People are cash-strapped. COVID-19 is uh, touching the pocket strings. People are on short time. Um, others have lost their jobs due to COVID-19 and companies closing down. So what are people's rights around uh, repossession of their properties, uh, such as cars and uh, homes? Um, I think uh, uh, people may not know this, but they have a lot of rights afforded to them by the National Credit Act, especially those people who enter into credit agreements uh, with financial institutions like banks. Um, For instance, uh, I think people may not be aware, but um, before any legal action is taken against them for the recovery or for the repossession of their homes, of their vehicles, uh, they must first be sent uh, letters of demand in the form of a Section 129 letter, basically telling them that uh, the accounts are in areas, uh, advising them of the steps that they may take. For instance, uh, informing them that they may approach uh, the credit provider to try and enter into some form of a payment arrangement, or that they may approach uh, an ombudsman, such uh, as the Ombudsman for Banking Services, with jurisdiction, obviously um, uh, resolve whatever issues that they may have with the credit provider. Now, these all steps obviously are taken or the informed action may be taken, such as the summons being issued. Now, uh, I think what people uh, often do and the mistake that they make is they avoid this letter and not do anything, do not act on that letter and only start wanting to act when against them. Unfortunately, at that time, most of the interventions available may not be available. For instance, uh, going under debt review or surrendering your vehicle, all those things are no longer available once summons are issued. Now, I think it would be befitting for you to explain to us what should one do when they receive that letter, bearing in mind that when you know that you are no longer able to keep up with your financial uh, responsibilities and agreements, the, the stress piles up. You become stressed, you become anxious, you become worried, and especially when you don't know when your next income is going to come from or how you'll make up for the shortfall. So when that letter comes, say, says Zako, what should you be doing, Wand? I think uh, the first thing people need to understand and know is your address, your physical address. You need to inform your care provider as soon as possible. Your care provider needs to always be aware where you're staying uh, because, firstly, before you can act on that letter, you obviously must receive it. Uh, a lot of people just change addresses and not inform their credit providers or update their information. And because of that, they never receive the letters. So they only find out later that there is judgment granted against them, default judgment granted against them. So I think the first step would be to always inform your bank if you want to be changing addresses. And secondly, if you do receive uh, the letter, the Section 129 letter, importantly, read it. Do not just uh, uh, throw it away uh, thinking that it's just another creditor wanting their money back. It is important for you to go through that letter. Like I said, it does give you options.
Gwanda is still there. Okay, so I think your line is crackling a bit there. Please do repeat. You said it does give you options? Yes, so the letter does give you options, right? And one of those options would be to go and make uh, or enter into some form of a payment arrangement with your credit provider. Um, And secondly, if obviously uh, uh, there's certain issues that you believe or certain uh, problems that you think the bank contributed uh, or in you being indebted, uh, then you can actually go to an ombudsman, for instance, like us, the Ombudsman for Banking Services or the NCR or the Credit Ombud. You can approach those uh, institutions for them to try and resolve whatever, whatever issues that you may have with your bank. Um, um, and, and thirdly, obviously, there is the option of you entering into or under debt review. You do have those options. And lastly, I think that's something that we will be discussing is you do have an option in terms of Section 127 of the National Credit Act of surrendering your your movable property to the bank for them to sell on your behalf if you are if you're no longer able to pay for that property. A team is uh, Gwanda Vabaza from uh, the Ombudsman for Banking Services is joining us on the line. Please do call in or send a message on uh, SMS 41391 or WhatsApp 0614104107 if you'd like to call in. It's 0117142006. I know talking about our personal finances is quite a, a sensitive issue, so you can remain anonymous. But uh, do call in and ask your questions. Perhaps you received a letter of such a nature and you did not know which direction to take or you've taken the steps to be honest with your credit provider but they're just not budging so perhaps uh, Gwanda will be able to give you a way forward do call in or sms or whatsapp us so that we understand what you're currently facing tweet at sfm radio and at patricia m Dooley. legal conversations Wanda, let's talk about uh, the surrendering. So if someone opts to surrender because they have totally lost source of income, um, what then happens then? So um, the surrender basically applies where, um, for instance, like you just said now, if you're no longer able uh, to pay for the immovable, for the movable property, for instance, your vehicle, you're no longer able to afford the installment, then yes, you may approach your bank uh, inform it in writing that you're no longer uh, interested in obviously continuing with that contract. You basically terminate that agreement and you inform the bank or make an arrangement with the bank as to when they can come and collect uh, the vehicle, if it is the vehicle that we're talking about. Then they can come and collect that vehicle and then what will happen then is that the bank will sell that vehicle for you. But before they sell that vehicle on auction, what will happen is that they will value the vehicle and then see the possible sale that it can sell for at an auction or the possible value of that vehicle. And then what will happen then is you can give an, you then given a notification or a letter stating exactly what the vehicle was valued for. And then if you believe that the value is too low, then as a customer, if your account is not in areas at the time you surrender the vehicle, then you have an option to take back that vehicle. Uh, and then sell it yourself. You have that option. You always have the option of selling that vehicle yourself. 
But if, unfortunately, if your account is in areas, then you cannot, after receiving that letter, then just decide to take back that vehicle. What would need to happen then is that you will need to first settle those areas as well as any other reasonable cost incurred by the bank. And then after settling those errors, then you can take back that vehicle. I think, again, what is important with a voluntary surrender to note is that if the vehicle is sold, it will be sold at an auction. And if the vehicle is sold for less than the outstanding balance, then as a customer, you will be liable for the shortfall balance. So that's why it's important to understand the documents that are being sent to you by a credit provider. Because at the end of the day, if you don't read them, you're not uh, uh, vigilant around them, you will agree that that's the price they're going to sell it for. And when they sell it for that amount, you are going to be in error. So you must still pay them. So now you've surrendered and um, you've got the shortfall to pay for. What arrangements can you make then? Because you, you don't have an income currently. That's why you surrendered your vehicle. Yeah, and unfortunately, yes, if you are unable to pay uh, the, the, the shortfall, if you do not have the funds then to uh, settle the shortfall, then uh, fortunately you may, uh, legal action may be taken by the bank against you for that shortfall, and you obviously will be listed uh, at the ITC or the credit bureau. Uh, obviously, with the judgment that, as you may be aware, that it will be there for a period of five years, and it will definitely affect your ability to enter into new credit agreements. Um, unfortunately, not a lot of options are there when you are not uh, employed or do not have the funds to enter into a payment arrangement to try and pay off the balance or the, the shortfall. There's not a lot of options available to people. But if you are obviously able to pay the little that you can, then you are advised to approach the bank to tell the bank or the, the credit provider that unfortunately, yes, I am not working. I may not be able to pay the amount, obviously, that you want for me to settle. But what I am able, for instance, to try and gather would be, uh, for instance, 100 rents per month. Uh, we've seen some institutions entering uh, into agreements or uh, arrangements with customers for as little as 100 rents, obviously, to try and pay off that debt, the 100 rents or the shortfall balance that is outstanding. And some banks will obviously or enter into an agreement where they say, uh, we do not want interest on that shortfall balance. So those options are available to customers, but customers will not know of these options if they do not approach their banks and request for the um, uh, arrangements uh, that are available for them. Looking at COVID-19 and how it has, it has changed the landscape um, financially for us as South Africans, it seems that if you've lost your job, either way, you are in a bad position. You're in a predicament. You're in, a, you're in the mud. You're basically sinking because you'll surrender. And if there's a shortfall, you will be held liable for that amount, but you can't pay for it. So your name will be, um, you know, in, in negative when it comes to the credit bureaus. What is the Ombuds for Banking Services doing to make sure that at least there's some cushioning? Because times are tough. You can't be still uh, implementing the same laws that were there before COVID? Um, yeah, when it comes to, unfortunately, when it comes to credit or um, payment arrangements, um, that normally falls within the bank's commercial discretion. So banks have the discretion to, 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 to say that, okay, we see that our customers are struggling for whatever reason, or in this case would be COVID. Uh, they are struggling. They are unable to uh, pay uh the, the, the normal monthly installment required, the contractual installment required. So 
as I said, people may approach their banks to try and enter into some form of an arrangement. That arrangement may be a holiday, a payment holiday, where, for instance, for a period uh, of three months or six months, uh, uh, the banks agree that no installment will be made or will be paid uh, into their account. But again, that's a temporary measure. As an ombudsman for banking services, what we do is we cannot force the bank to enter into a payment arrangement with with consumers. But what we can look at is if the bank refuses to enter into a payment arrangement with the customer, then we may look at the reasons given. Because customers are entitled to be given reasons as to why the bank is refusing to enter into a payment arrangement. So we can have a look at those to see if those reasons are reasonable and they fail. Unfortunately, like I said, uh, we can never, uh, we do not have the jurisdiction or the mandate to force banks to enter into payment arrangements with anyone. I think someone needs to look at this, honestly, because uh, South Africans are cash-strapped and it, it's no one's fault. Companies are closing, they're getting liquidated, people are losing jobs. Someone needs to look at this. Let me go to Anonymous, uh, a teamer who's holding on the line. Anonymous, good evening. Good evening to you, Patricia, and your guest as well. Uh, nice topic. I just want to inquire from your guest. If a person, uh, if the bank does not uh, make the necessary arrangements for you, in the, however you need to make payment, right? Uh, when you're out of a job or when you lose your job uh, or you don't have any income, n- maybe you can't find a job within three months, six months, nine months, we don't know how long, right? So is it not possible that uh, you uh, sell your car sell your car before the bank attaches it, right, and for, uh, for next to nothing. You sell your car, so at least you'll have some money from the car and pay your debts and pay uh, the rest uh, due to the bank. So you won't suffer any losses uh, in that case. You will have some money on, on hand. And even if it goes for a house as well, if either you can lease half your house and take the lease money and pay to the bank, that's the choice you'll have, or either you can... Um, you know, um, either you can do the same thing, sell your house as well, uh, you know, uh, before the bank can uh, get hold of it. You sell your house and you will have money as well to start living in a flat or living wherever you move in, in another uh, renting premises. And then you'll have money as well, knowing that you don't have a job as well. So you won't be uh, like uh, so badly cash trapped. All right. Let's allow uh, Gwanda to answer. Thank you very much, Anonymous, for the question. Gwanda? I completely agree with uh, Anonymous. I think the mistake that uh, most of us make as consumers is that um, we wait up until we're in serious trouble before we approach the bank or we do anything to try and uh, uh, ensure that our debts are paid. So what is advisable for consumers to do would be, yes, before, if you see or you foresee that uh, in the future, in the next two months, that I will not be able to pay for my car or for my house, like Anonymous said, you do have options. And yes, some of those options available to you would be to sell that vehicle or that house yourself. But there's other options, like I said. Uh, with the house, for instance, you can approach your bank before, obviously, you, you're in areas. You can approach your bank and inform your bank, obviously, of the fact that you foresee yourself not being able to pay off your debt in the next few months or going forward. Then the bank, like I said, they do have options available for you as a customer. And one of those options would be, for instance, to assist you in selling that house. Now, there is benefits that uh, obviously the banks offer when assisting you as a consumer or as a customer in selling the house. Some of those 
it would be, for instance, uh, they will uh, approach some of these big uh, agents to sell the house on your behalf as a consumer. And some of them, obviously, they would, um, to attract buyers, they would say, for instance, if you buy this house, there would be a 10% offer uh, or discount to, towards the attorney fees uh, or the interest. But there's a lot of benefits available to consumers if they approach their banks before they're in trouble. And uh, same applies with the vehicle. I think uh, if as a consumer you do have a vehicle and you do foresee that you will not be able to pay for that uh, vehicle, I think one of the best options available to you would be to try and sell the vehicle for yourself. Sure. Yeah. So it's 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 quite an issue that we are faced with here as South Africans. But there are options as long as we do the right thing. Let's talk about the repossession of our properties. That particular process. How does it work? And what should people anticipate when their property is repossessed? So, like I said, I think before any repossession uh, takes place, um, uh, there must be a court order. Okay. Let me just maybe uh, explain it this way. There's two ways that your property may be repossessed. So uh, if it's a movable property like a house, uh, the only way that your bank can repossess it is if they obtain judgment against you. So they will go to court, they will first obviously issue that, like I said, that section 129 letter, the letter of demand telling you about the areas on your account. And then secondly, if you do not respond to that letter, then they will obviously issue summons against you. And then if you receive those summons, those summons will tell you of a date that you need to respond to uh, to them. If you do not then file in your letter of intention to defend, then the bank will uh, then obtain a default judgment against you. So after a default judgment is granted against you, then the credit provider will then apply for uh, for that property to be attached and sold. So... Only after that letter, or the, the, the judgment or the order to attach and sell that property can then the sheriff of the court, not any other person, only the sheriff of the court can approach you as a consumer with those notices or with those orders from the court showing you exactly what the judgment is. They will tell you that there was a judgment against you and that this property has now been attached to be sold uh, at a later stage. So only the sheriff can come to you with those. We've seen with uh, vehicles especially that a lot of people are approached by debt collectors who go to uh, consumers uh, either at malls or at their workplaces with these uh, uh, notices and uh, basically intimidating or misrepresent to consumers that these documents are a court order. They request consumers to sign these documents and unfortunately some of the consumers they panic and then they sign those documents only to find out that they're signing a section 127 a voluntary surrender letter so unfortunately once you've signed that document you've basically now terminated your agreement with the bank and what obviously these uh that uh, collectors they're banking on is the fact that uh, with this uh Section 1927, a voluntary notice letter, obviously there's less costs for them. It's cheaper for them to do it this way. So hence now they will try and be creative when uh, approaching consumers. And and like I said, if any consumer, though, is intimidated or uh, 
these debt collectors working for banks, they misrepresent information to them, then they can come to the Ombudsman for Banking Services. We do handle such complaints. Uh, it is an acceptable practice, and uh, we will definitely take it up with the banks and address such issues with them. So, But I think the most important thing that consumers need to know is that before you sign any document, read that document, understand what it says, and understand what you're binding yourself into. Gwanda, thank you so very much for all this information. I think a lot of people are saying, oh my goodness, I didn't know I was actually signing a document that was binding me to a debt collector as opposed to um, what I thought I was getting myself into. Ignorance is not always bliss. For those who want to be in touch with the Ombudsman for Banking Servers, how do they get in touch with you? Um, I think let me just say that any customer who who thinks or believes that they've suffered loss uh, due to a bank mistake or negligence or maladministration on the part of the bank, or if a customer believes that the bank has violated their rights or abused its powers or made a decision which they believe is unfair to them, they may contact us, the Ombudsman for Banking Services. We deal with all complaints relating to uh, bank services or products. Um, so if a customer believes that, yes, um, the bank offered them service or a product, and due to whatever actions by the bank they suffered loss or damages, then they may contact us on 011-712-1800, 011-712-1800, or they can call our call center line is 860 800 900. We do have a WhatsApp number for those people who want to send us a WhatsApp. Uh, they can send us on 066-473-0157. 066-473-0157. And those who have access to the internet, to the internet, they can go onto our website www.obssa.co.za. And those who have, sorry, uh, an email, they can send us an email at info, info at obssa.co.za. Thank you so very much, Gwanda, for joining us. Have a good evening. It's Thank a, you, Patricia. It's a minute after 11. Let's go straight to Mudupi Mahalimela. Hola.